Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our next encounter study. We are on lesson number seven, October 16th. I am Reverend Becky Zardi. I'm the Director of Ministry of the Women for the Ministry Council for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons down below and share this with your friends. Definitely share it with your enemies. And my wonderful, lovely co-host. I'm Reverend Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministry Coordinator for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And I get to edit or generally edit this thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say thank you for the many people who came out to the day at the park uh, on Tuesday. Uh, we had, you know, I, close to 100. We were probably about 90, 80 something, 90. I don't know. We can't tell. Not everybody signed in. And, um, but anyway. It was, I always appreciate that worship service because it's in that stone church and oh man, the Beautiful. praises echo. So. Absolutely stunning. The acoustics in that building are just, man, if you have not been to the birthplace shrine, you are missing out. You really need to check it out. Join us next year. Join us next Make year. Plans. Um the Reverend and myself are thinking of ways that we can turn that into a little retreat. So stay tuned yeah. for more info on that. But um, dun, dun, dun. really the goal of that is, especially for folks who have been in the Carmelin Presbyterian Church for a while, I think Reverend, you had uh, Pastor at Owensboro, Tim. Yeah, Ames, Pastor Tim. And that was the first time he had come to a day in the park. And, you know, the, the goal of this, you know, isn't necessarily your... It, it's it's for fellowship it's for him he got to see some of the folks that he came up in the ministry with or some of his old mentors and and there's you know we sometimes don't we're a small church in the Carmel Presbyterian Church and that one of the yeah. advantages is we can stay connected and so yes. my favorite thing I think is to see you know folks see one another that just hadn't seen each other in a while and they can relay what God's done for them to them through them and it's cool it's cool to hear it was a blessing and man, we couldn't have asked for better weather. That it was, was just, it was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. So, yeah. So thanks. Yeah. And I'll have to say thank you to Reverend Becky because we had, it was just a day full of glitches as well. Our <laughs> worship leader, her mother uh, had kind of a turn that she couldn't get out there. So we want to pray for Reverend Sandra and, and her mom. And, um, and then my wife got called in to do a, a big, she takes depositions anyway, had to get something done. So I was down a pianist. I was down a worship leader. And then uh, Reverend Mike Sharp, General Assembly Stated Clerk, stepped up. Who knew he could tickle that ivory? With the mm, did a great job. And thank you, Rebecca, for stepping in. And so, good. It was good to see people serving. In whatever capacity we can. That's, awesome. that's the important part, that we serve in whatever capacity we can. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. So that's, that's what I got. You got anything? Any news? Any, anything else up and coming in your direction? I'm not thinking about it this week. Okay. Very I'm taking okay. it that's, that's true. Okay. So um, remember, was Lou and Wednesday? Please submit your nominations, photo, 250 word biography, send it to rzarty, that's Z A H R T E at cumberland.org. Um, let us know about the gals in your church and what they do and how much they mean for you and your local congregation really important stuff. 
I think that's Absolutely. all I've got. I can't think of anything else up and coming. Everybody, if you are on um, the missions ministry team newsletter emailing list, you should have received a newsletter this last weekend um, or two weekends ago, I guess now um, called Beautifully Broken. If you did not receive it and would like a copy, please email me as well at rzardi at cumberland.org to be added to our email list. So you get the next one um, that will be coming out in January. Do you have it on Facebook or a link to it on Facebook? It is on the Women's Ministry Facebook page. Yes, you can get it there as well if you have not. Um, but if you want an email copy, let me know and I'll add you. To the All right. Well, you're on tap yeah. to help serve the Lord. Ding, ding. So let's start with our prayer for illumination today. Almighty God, we often make our commitments in fear of the future. Remind us that you hold the future in your hand. Give us the courage to live by faith and not by sight. Amen. Mm, that's a good one because that is hard. That is tough. Um, today, our scripture selection comes from Joshua 24, 1 through 15. And our memory verse is Joshua 24, 15 that says, Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. This is part of that. It, it's not in this one. It's part of that, you know, it's in that same choose this day whom you'll serve kind of. Yes. It's a choice that we serve. So anyway. You know. Yes, absolutely. Which is what we're going to talk about today. Yes. Um, so Caleb really starts us off, I think, with a great reminder, um, which we're going to get into about this renewed covenant. But before we do that discussion question. Um, this is one of those teachers, if you um, are looking at this, this one can take a long time because you really, I really got to think about what I would say in three or four sentences about my life story. Yeah. So I mean, besides, yeah. If you can um, maybe get a note, email, text message to your class and say, hey, think about this before we get to class. Yes. Because if not, you're not going to get very far in class. This one will take a while yeah. to, to converse over, you know, because there's a lot that you have done in your life. And how do you summarize that in just three or four sentences? Yeah. I think when I read that, like I told Becky, I'm like, well, we don't need to get into that. But, but I would say like, if you're trying to, uh, summarize your life in three or four sentences maybe it's not just your life but i think maybe if you force yourself to think for 15 or 20 minutes about where god intervened in places mm, in your life yeah uh, and to see where your life took a turn for the better or moments where your life took a turn for the worst and then god you know in in god's mercy swooped in and saved you from being you uh, and right uh, so that that might be it just highlight points something like that but it is good to reflect. And that's yes. pretty much what Joshua is going to do. So yes. Anyway. And that's really where Joshua is getting to. So in our scripture selection today, Joshua is really reminding this generation of the things that God has done for this. I think the, the best one um, is the very last line of the introduction. It says, these words take the form of a renewed covenant between Israel and the Lord, a solemn pledge to fear and serve God and God alone because of the miraculous things which God has accomplished for them. 
And thinking about the scripture context today, we have to remember that this has been a whole nother generation that has yep. passed kind of like Moses at the end of his life. He gave this huge, long speech to remind everybody what God had done. And now we have Joshua who is reminding this next generation, this new generation, reminding them what, what God has done. Yeah. And like, if we go back to our um, Ecclesiastes quarter. It don't take long to be forgotten, whether you're a person or whether it's good teachings or whatever. And so a part of a good leader, Sunday school teacher, preacher, elder, yeah. um, is to is to do really practice this, you know, summarize your life in theological terms, theological reflection, and to pass that on. Because, it, you know, when people aren't trained to see God, it's hard to even look backwards and see. Sure. So, and anyway. people are forgetful. I mean, there's a couple of great quotes I wanted to share. One was... Um, from Martin Luther, he says, every week I preach justification by faith to my people because every week they forget. And then another great quote that I was thinking of was, you know, we have to remember our history because if we forget it, then we're doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. We have to remember where we came from, which is why it's so important to read our scripture continually, to do our Bible studies, to make this a part of our daily activities because we're forgetful people. I mean, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, it's another day. And you have totally forgotten about all the amazing things and God interventions that happened the day before, unless they were something like way over the top. You know, if it was just your normal, hey, God woke you up and you're still breathing. Yeah. You know, we forget how amazing that is that we're still here and we have another opportunity. So this is important to remember what we have come through, what God has done in our life, the um, amazing things that he has accomplished, the big miracles, but just, just the little, just the little everyday stuff that God does for you. You know, this is an important reflection. Yes. Yeah. Anything else on the intro before we jump into exploring scripture? I think we can jump. Let's jump. Okay. Exploring scripture. What you got? I'd start off with the very first paragraph. Um, just to say like there is a struggle i don't struggle with it i I might not be as good as a human being um as some of my christian brothers and sisters but like keep god in it take god out of it lots of killing went on throughout all of history and that's sadly this is how civilizations rise and fall um and so like it's tough but it's history and and I would say that if it wasn't for the um, the presence of God or people trying to live peacefully, it would still be a lot worse today. Like we 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 live in the last, I guess since 1947, whatever when World War II ended, where that I mean that might be the first time where people mm-hmm. saw saw the pictures of war and nobody was immune to it that were like oh well let's you know nato or let's create some ways to stop that but before that this was how you advanced like it wasn't there were cultures um you know that in the past that was what they did uh the vikings uh germanic tribes germanic Mm -hmm. this kind of an interesting historical thing the germanic uh people were some of the last to become Christian because they couldn't wrap their head around the do not kill um, theology of, sure. of Judeo-Christian values because it was just, this is what you did. <laughs> you conquered people. And, yeah. 
so anyway how yeah this is how you advance your kingdom i mean this is how you took over lands and this is how you conquered people groups and and you became stronger and yeah perpetuated your your project i mean like to to make the world but so anyway i say all that to say this is one of those things that yes we absolutely acknowledge that um god and god was conquering a promised land and and again we're looking at it when we got computers and we've got like uh cell phones and we've got all the comforts of the earth and so we can't even imagine what it would mean to go into a land like these people were also wandering in a desert for 40 years getting getting raided and having no food and whatnot and you have an opportunity yes. to have food you take it yeah and so anyway yeah i'm fine with deconstructing things but i'm also thinking let's be realistic right yes. and think of things from the time if you were there starving and getting water from a rock, if you will. Uh, anyway. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we also forget the vast number of people that were in the wilderness. You mm-hmm. know, scholars estimate there's like 1.5 million yeah. that that fled Egypt. So that's a lot of people. And where are you going to get the crops? Where are you going to get the water source? You know, it's not just like a little family of ten where you can walk up to a creek somewhere and get. You know, I mean, and we project, I think also in this setting, sometimes we project that maybe everybody else was just, you know, kind. And so like, you know, ah. like a nation of people just said, Hey, can we share? Yeah. We assume that people would be like, yeah, sure. No. Come on in. Sure. Yeah. And that's no. not how they, any of that works. That is not how that worked. No, so anyway, that is not how that worked. So I just wanted to bring that up. I mean, like I'm, I'm cool. I mean, we acknowledge our faults and our failures, but also we need to acknowledge reality. Uh, and I remember nobody called Alexander Graham Bell an idiot because he didn't create the iPhone, right? I mean, he created telephone lines. And that was amazing back then. Anyway. Okay. Sure. Off my okay. soapbox. Fair enough. So that's that's the beginning section of exploring the scripture. And then we move on to Shechem. Um, yeah. And then Shechem, Caleb points out that Abraham built an altar to the Lord following God's appearance and affirmation of the covenant saying to your offspring, I will give this land. So Shechem was this really important place of political and of politics for the for the community, but also their theology. And here's this the funny was, part. They'd never been there. No. So yeah, this was new. This was new for them. They'd heard the stories, but they'd never experienced it. And they wouldn't have known why this was hollowed ground. And so the the story was important to hear. And it was important to experience. And can you imagine what that had to be like for them? To hear all the stories and then to actually be standing in the land of Shechem. Yeah, I think it's... And I I told Becky that I was going to bring this in. I think that's one of the important reasons as to why we go back to our birthplace shrine. Yeah. There's lots of Cumberland Presbyterians obviously weren't there in 1810. Didn't even, don't know anything about it, but at least in that area, we saw what God did one night with four preachers. It's good to see. It's good to go back that God did something amazing. Yeah. And we, we are part of that story. Yeah. I will, I'll just share a brief birthplace shrine story. When I first became a Cumberland Presbyterian, my pastor and I made a day trip down to the birthplace shrine just so that we could see it because it's such an important place for the history of the, of the CP denomination that it was important for me to see important for her to go back and see it, but important for me as a new Cumberland Presbyterian 
to be able to walk on that ground and to understand the significance and the history of what, of what happened there. I mean, it's, it's just like anything that's important in history. Um, one of the other places that I've been to that was completely overpowering, um, was I've walked in Auschwitz, um, you know, and to, you can read about it in a history book and you hear the stories, but then to stand on the ground and actually see the buildings around you and understand what happened there. It, it's just like very different reasons, but it's just like the Israelites standing in Shechem. They have heard all the stories. They understood what happened there, but then to stand there themselves and see for themselves that God's promises have come true. What an amazing that, thing. Yeah. That, I like that last sentence of the, that first paragraph on 38. Mm -hmm. um, the victory in Canaan is completely God's accomplishment. Not Joshua's, not the Israelites. Joshua's speech beckons the Israelites to grant credit where credit is due. And I think that's yep. what we do when we go back to like the birthplace shrine or to places yeah. to say God brought us out of this because we surely yes. uh, weren't good enough or smart enough to do it ourselves. No, nope. And that's where Joshua doing the speech now here in Shechem, he's reminding the people of all the stories of what God has done, all the amazing things. And then he asks them basically to recommit, right. to recommit themselves. And the very um, second paragraph down on page 38, the last section says the decision to put away all other gods from all other regions and serve the Lord is the decision to create a new civilization governed by God. In gratitude for receiving the land of Canaan, the Israelites decide to completely order their lives and their communities around God. This is huge. Yeah, yeah, it is. This, uh, this is a huge undertaking for the Israelite nation. Yeah, and we talked about it briefly last one. Well, maybe not briefly. We did talk about it. <laughs> um, Do we ever talk briefly? I don't know. We're going to try to come up. Um <laughs> So this is, again, one of those things that made uh, Israel different, though. Like, they were coming in being governed by God, not gods, and then not by a representative of God as right. an king. And so they would have judges, but they had no control over the totality of the people. They were kind of more like mayors of towns. Yep, uh, little sections. But you didn't have a king, right? And then that'll rear its ugly head, you know, come Samuel and, and that time of year. But... It is an amazing revelation, again, like for people who doesn't, don't understand why like the nation of Israel or the Bible itself is, is different is because there was nothing like this. I don't even think you could, I don't even think you could conceive of a people not having a king or serving gods, plural. Yeah. Just wasn't around. And, mm -hmm. and so for some reason, these slaves decided no we're gonna do it this way and it's weird so anyway totally weird yeah i mean completely that they would have just one ruler over their whole nation and not not have a god for their crops and a god for uh fertility and a god for war and a god for yeah. basket then, making or like whatever, no human you know? no human representative yeah. of that god no kind of wild that is very wild yeah. So, so that's where I'm at with exploring. This is really important teachers. If you, you really need to understand the, the significance historically of this 
in the time frame to understand just how radical this was for Israel to be this new civilization governed by God. And then Joshua reminds them, you're going to mess up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He he's building him up. He's building him up. He's building him up. And then he's going to be like, man, but you're not going to be able to do it. Um, but the Israelites still respond with, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. Is- but this is important though. Like, yes. because this goes toward the attitude of people. There yes. were times. So when they say, no, we will serve the Lord exclamation point. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. That's their greatest desire. Yeah. Now, when it turns into we are servants of the Lord is different than we will in the sense of that's what made everybody prideful. Once they thought they had control of it and they were perfect and they were righteous, Mm. that's when it goes off track, friends. Yeah. Um, But at least in your mind when you know. Yeah, I mean, like like Joshua says, you're going to fail. Like, I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to fail when I go upstairs and, and, uh, you know, carry on with my day. I'll probably do something very stupid. But the truth would be the humility to say, I messed that one up. Like, Mm -hmm. I've still got some work to do. Some humility is good. It's when Israel got off track when they forgot humility. And Christians get off track when they forget the the humility part of, yeah, you really can't do this without help from God. Right. Uh, And even then you're hard-headed. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Because that whole help from God is listening to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're not so great at doing that part of it. But let's dig a little deeper. Well, according to my notes, I think we might have dug. We did were we? Oh, yeah, I guess we did. Bit, yeah, we were. That's true. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking at all my notes. We might have gotten a little little ahead of ourselves. Maybe we did dig a little bit deeper. Middle paragraph on page 38 (laughs) after the digging. The idea that the nation would serve only only one God was crazy. We talked, we said that, but yeah. And then making God their preeminent ruler on page 39. So we did talk about that some, but but again, I don't think that's something you can just gloss over. I mean, that's that's crazy. In some sense, it was it's even more amazing. Like some people don't think like the American Revolution was all that stuff, but that was the first time ever in the world where you were not associated with a king or a tribal leader or something. Yeah. They were creating something brand new. Yes. Um, and it it was weird for the rest of the world. And then of yes. course it inspired things after the American Revolution, then you have the French Revolution, and you have all these other revolutions where but anyway, I say all that just to say, um, this was wild. This was really, really wild. And it was so wild, you know, the Israelites eventually had to say, no, we want to be like everybody else. Have kings." So. Yeah. And then we know what happened. They mm-hmm. had some kings. We ended up with Saul and then David and then Solomon. And, and then we split during Solomon or after Solomon. I think it was when Rehoboam took over is when we split. But Caleb yeah. points out in the middle yeah. of page 39, second paragraph down. He said, however, many prophets foretold of one who would come from the line of David and succeed at the impossible to this impossible task, which was following God completely and doing it perfectly. Yes. And God would end and God going. would send this anointed ruler who would faithfully and perfectly serve God. Right. And then that leads us into the thing you said, really, you liked about this part. Yes. Yes. I Bring love this section. Teachers take a peek at this. Caleb does a great job at telling us the origination of the name Jesus. Jesus is the English name and we get it from the Greek translation of, I'm going to mess that up. 
Aviasoas. Yeah. I don't know how you exactly say it in Greek, but that was the Greek translation from Hebrew. In Hebrew, it was Yeshua, Yeshua. which Yeshua also has an English translation. So we can go from Hebrew straight to English, and that is Joshua. Yeah. So actually, Yeshua would translate as Joshua, but because we go from English from Greek to English, we say Jesus. Yeah. So think about it. This is Yeshua in front of the Israelites leading them into the promised land. Mm-hmm. That's not a mistake. Like, right? That's not. Uh, Joshua, even back then, meant the Lord will save his people. And so when the angel announces to you know, Mary and Joseph, he will be Jesus. He will save people. So anyway, yeah. And and he will lead us into the promised land. So remember, there's yeah. another hype. Another there, friends. Yep. Another correlation between, between Joshua leading the people into the promised land, now giving the speech in Shechem. And later we have Yeshua, Jesus, who saves his people and leads them into the promised land. That's amazing. I love that. Let's hit our discussion question. Yeah. It says, Jesus did not come across as a kingly ruler to most of his contemporaries. After all, kings resided at the top of the social hierarchy, and Jesus seemed adamant on abiding at the bottom. Why do you think Jesus's way of life and service exemplifies the true nature of the one who could truly become the consecrated king of Israel? Mm. Well, so like, if we're honest, and honesty is the best policy. It ends with Jesus Christ being at the right hand of God, the Father and Majesty, judging the nations Mm -hmm. and us giving complete total allegiance, just as we would any other king on earth. Sure. The road there is really the difference. Like there's still a hierarchy and there's a lot of theology that tries to dismantle that. But he is the king of king and lords of lord, lord of lords. And that means something like Jesus is our brother. Jesus is also our ruler. Yes. And so I, it, maybe it's a difference in kind. I don't know. It is definitely a difference in, in how you rule, the motives by which you rule over someone. Um, yeah. But it's still a hierarchy. Like, I don't think any of us are going to try to take that throne um, mm, when we get up there. No, no. I don't think I want to play king of the hill. But I think what it does is that he is the kingdom of a different world his kingdom is yeah. not of this world he's a kingdom of love and it, love looks like service yeah so it has different important. values yeah i think it has different but i think in the, in the human the human aspect the values of a kingdom are do whatever you can to get to the top right good bad ugly or otherwise but the kingdom of god has different different values it's based on love so it it looks different it feels different it acts different because it is not based on the human hierarchy. Yeah, and it's not based on human values either. Yeah. So that might be something. So like an earthly king would exercise power in sure. oppression or slavery or whatever it may be. Uh, Jesus exercised power by healing. Mm-hmm. And, and then when we get to heaven, um, we know we've been healed by this one. So yeah. it, he reigns out of love and grace our gratitude for it and so you know it's not a forced like he's not the king enforcer he's the king benevolent giver i guess right yeah 
Yeah, good question. Let's <laughs> learn from the scripture. Um, hmm. Yeah, this is a tough one. It's not tough. Well, it is tough in yeah. this sense. This is how I try to, I like, I, I think about this a lot because okay. I, I don't know how to live faithfully in the world. Like every once in a while, I think, okay, activist, that's the way to go. And I'm like, no, because what am I changing? All I'm changing is maybe yeah. some environmental stuff or some, you know, temporary conditions. And then I'm like, okay, let's be like the Mennonites and let's just get out of this. Let, let, you know, all this politics and violence and stupidity that people run after and money. No, I'm just going to sure. learn how to build my house, make my own furniture. I'm going to go to church on Sundays. I'm, I'm going to hang out with my wife and kids. But then I don't think that's doing a mission. I don't know if it is or not. There's a testimony there because it intrigues me. Sure. Like their way of life intrigues me. Like, and so I think, well, how, why do Mennonites or Amish folks or separatists, if you will, live yeah. that way? And it's because they're rejecting the values of the world. And, and right. I like but they that. I like that idea of rejecting the values of the world, but they still have the same issues that the rest of the world has. You can deal with it different. Sure. So like, that's my point. Like they have to deal with things from at least a less worldly way. I mean, like, yeah, they might have, well, I don't know. I've done some studies on this. Like they don't deal with depression on near no. the level that we do. They don't deal no. with no mental heart health diseases issues. or, I mean, the, and it's because they're not in a rat race. Right. Like we've got studies on that. Yeah. Um, you, there's not a lot of murder that goes on in an Amish community. It has happened, uh, but um, it, it is never the norm, right? Sure. And so there's a fundamental difference about the way they live and what they choose to do that has, you know, helped them to flourish in a lot of ways. We would call it not flourishing because we like running water. <laughs> Okay, now that depends if you're going Amish or Mennonite. Whatever. You know, my, but yeah. my point being is yeah, they're no, separate enough true. from the world to where they're not experiencing opioid crises, sure. right? Like, and so there's something to that. But again, I don't know if that's a calling because I don't know if they're also confronting the world. Maybe that, oh, that we well, inherit yeah. from the Protestantism, that we think we should be, you know running around with megaphones talking about every injustice that we see or trying you know what i'm saying like sure no i totally get I what know. you're saying i mean yeah, I, that, I struggle with this a lot that kind of goes with that second paragraph that caleb has he says it's easy to assume that the kingdom of god has drawn near on sunday morning when we're in the sanctuary but what about the week when we're at our work or in a free time yeah you know i mean that really kind of goes along with that so and that we'll get to that in a second, but he says, we owe our ultimate allegiance to Jesus Christ above anyone or anything else. And that means that we should be seeking to serve Christ in every facet of our daily lives. Serving the Lord is not just spiritual. It's relational, cultural, political, and financial, just to name a few. That's where and that get, really, yeah. yeah, that's where you're kind of going with, with this whole conversation is what does that look like? And what should we be doing actually? And, and I know like in our, yeah, in our confession of faith, like you're encouraged to like run for politics or whatnot, that will be the one thing I try to change because I think sure. I have enough Mennonite in me to be like, mm, no, this ain't my government. Y'all have fun. <laughs> I'll vote. I'll, you know, make sure I don't incite riots sure. or anything like that. But no, this is y'all's mess. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that's important. So I Which guess is... that's what I'm saying when it says that um, serving the Lord is not just spiritual, but it's also relational, cultural, political, and financial. 
But like, I think we make our own problems there. Like by participating in this system, for whatever reason, I have to work an X amount of money to make sure I have a house, to make sure my kids can go to college, to make sure they can have cars, to make sure. And I'm like, well, that's a lot of, that's just my own desire. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah. Or the culture. Like, So let me hit you with a discussion question then, because it says, when you think of your identity, do you consider yourself first and foremost to be an American citizen or a citizen of the kingdom of God? I, in my mind, have no struggle with this. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. He was very grateful to live in a place where I'm not getting shot for that or that I can exercise some individuality and I can choose what job that I do and I can take chances with my money to, to do things. Like, I appreciate all that. And so, like, I'm probably somebody who I have very little, um, like, I don't confuse, you know, God and country at all. Um, sure. And, and like God I said, my, my absolute allegiance is going to be to the kingdom of God, like a Japanese Christian or a Ukrainian Christian or a Russian Christian is my brother in, mm-hmm. in heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven mm-hmm. and I don't have the distinctions there, at least in my mind. I mean, there's, you know, language and whatever else, but, but at the same time, I do think I live in a place that's really quite good, comparatively speaking. And I would like to make sure that there's people who experience that goodness. Sure. In a lot of ways. I mean, it's terrible here on occasion and in maybe some ways, but I've traveled around some too. And I know it's terrible everywhere. And I think this is the less terrible. I don't know. Of the terribles? Less terrible terrible. And that doesn't do that. I mean, like, I'm I'm grateful to be where I'm at and I'm grateful to be of the United States. But at the same time, it it has no bearing over my uh, being in the kingdom of God. That's one reason why I just can't stand politics. Like I've seen good Christian people lose their mind either on the right or the left and, and take up things that just aren't biblical. And I don't understand it. Right. I don't know. This is is a struggle for me. Sure. But is it because, you know, okay, for me, definitely a citizen of the kingdom of God first and foremost above everything else. But how often do we think about that on a daily basis? You know, I mean, and teachers, this is a great conversation to have with your, with your students, because if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, first and foremost, then the kingdom values should inform how you make your daily decisions from the, what you do when you get up in the morning to what you listen to, to what you read, to uh, everything the kingdom values should always be influencing and have say in what you do in your everyday life. But then as an American citizen, I think that's where sometimes we get confused and, and where it becomes a problem because sometimes we, I don't want to say nationalism, but we, we get that confused with being a citizen of the kingdom of God versus being a citizen of our nation yeah and i don't think you can stop that because we assume certain things like the struggle comes when you say nationalism i know you're not trying to say anything inflammatory but like no but when we say nationalism as christian it's just if we're not careful and intentionally looking at our lives we assume that there's some things that are christian that are also part of our culture and i don't think that's true what i mean by that is when you wake up in the morning culture has already made a lot of decisions for you. Like you're going to spend 50 hours of your week working for some reason, just because that's what we do, but you probably informs, couldn't give it a biblical reason. Right. But it informs like what right. kind of haircuts you get, 
right. informs what kind of clothing styles you pick because what's that's acceptable, of, not acceptable. These that's kinds part of, of our culture. That's cultural. No, that so maybe not, culturalism is probably what you're trying. Maybe to say. that's a better word. Yeah. Nationalism is a word right now. It's just a hot thing that has all kinds of stuff connected to it. Yeah. And, and we got to be careful, but I know cultural for sure. I mean, like, yeah, we think that influences what we do every day and not even know it. And you got to be yeah. real intentional about yeah, and how, how you think about things, how you look at things, um, that all culture influences all of that. And maybe we should take a step back from culture and, and look at the kingdom values right? and let that inform how we make our decisions and how we look at people and the world and the way we interact with it. Yeah. And I think that goes into, might as well bring it up because it's basically the applying the scripture section, but the yeah. selection question is what we're trying to do. And, and this is where, so like uh, the reflection in what areas of your life is it most difficult to give your ultimate allegiance to God? So like, what you're saying is like, I would say that we're so enculturated by culture. We don't even yeah. know what question to ask. Like we just assume yeah. some of the things we do are Christian. You're like, nah, and then they do with it. That's just Jesus. I mean, that's just USA politics or whatever. That's just your sure. culture. That's just uh, what you yeah. do. Um, are there things you can do that might assist you in learning to remove your loyalty from the systems, powers, slash leaders in, in our world and place it before it? I think that's the intention sure. yes um, and you would have to really think about it like again politics you really have to and again this is left right yeah there's some things that you're like no that's not that ain't right mm-hmm. i mean it could be right for the world but it doesn't really fit in the t- not not for the, the kingdom values yeah <laughs> you know not for not for being a citizen of the kingdom of god that's that's the politics don't line up or the um yeah the the whole systems powers leaders of our world i think you really do and how do you be more intentional i think that's when you really have to take a step back and look at yourself and go am i just drawing near to the kingdom of god on sunday morning during the worship hour am i really being a citizen of the kingdom and applying kingdom values every day in every situation from the time I wake up in the morning till the time I go to bed, am I, am I putting this into practice or is it just Sunday morning? You know, and, and that's that, um, I think American Christianity, I'm not going to say for around the world, because I know we have some very, very devout brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted daily and are in fear of their lives daily because they, proclaim Jesus in their life. Um, we don't have that here in America. Um, for the most of us, we get up in the morning and we can go to church on Sunday morning and not be, we're not afraid of being persecuted because we believe in Jesus. So I think in the West and American Christian context, a lot of times we have we have disassociated being a citizen of the kingdom outside of just Sunday morning worship hour. Yeah. You know? Um, so there was a book I read in seminary uh, called The Prophetic Imagination. And it was, he just died last week, I think. Walter Brueggemann, maybe two oh, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, no, I heard about that. Um, and so I just looked this up just to get his description of the book. It says, as Brueggemann describes it in the, his original preface, 
This small book is an attempt to understand what the prophets were up to. If the prophets can be freed from our usual stereotypes as foretellers or social protesters. And so go, Brueggemann thus dismisses the two most common approaches to the prophetic voice among Bible readers, instead seeking a deeper reading than often adopted in conversations about biblical justice, right? And so what Brueggemann does in that prophetic imagination is, is that you see through your culture, you see through like and role of the prophet. A prophet isn't just somebody who like condemns just everything for no reason, like a, you know, some activist may be, but it's also not somebody that's just stuck in, stuck in the world saying, oh, but it's going to get better in the future. Hmm. Like the biblical prophets were able to see through with a prophetic imagination and distinguish between the things of the world and the things of God. And then what you demand in this world, where did that meet? And what's the responsibility of each Christian? I mean, we're, we're, as Christians, we're prophets. It's part of what we do as human beings. We're prophets in the sense to make sure, mm -hmm. you know, the world is as right as it can be. Right. Uh, anyway, it's we're a good book. By, uh, I mean, yeah, we're called by God because we're still just like Israelite was set apart to be a nation of priests. I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to do as a follower of Christ is we are supposed to proclaim the word to the yeah. world around us. So I'll put the, yeah, reference to that book and maybe a, I might do a lecture. I remember a lecture from Brueggemann that helped me to think about the role of the prophets and the prophetic imagination in society, because we shouldn't be careful here. Like now there should be things in our culture that make us squeamish. And I'm not talking yes. about the obvious things like rampant pornography or like violence. I mean, obviously that makes everybody squeamish. There's just some things like, you know, some of our politics or the way that we, you know, ignore people or you know it should make us squeamish as christians too we shouldn't be absolutely real you know i don't know good yeah. i feel like Man. i rambled and maybe we've made it people angry today i don't know I'm not, <laughs> just i think christianity I don't mean to make anybody no angry. i mean just it's just some really deeper. these are some really important questions for us to think about yeah. um you know and i'm not saying that we have an answer today but teachers i hope you take some serious time this week to really ponder these questions because yeah. these are really important questions for our everyday life. That's, All right. Anything else? I got. That's right. what I got. I hope you, I hope you enjoyed digging deep this week. This was a deep one. Yeah, it is. And it can be as deep as y'all want it to. I promise. Yeah. So. All right. Well, may the Lord bless you. Keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Oh, man.